0: Listening to the informal Bible study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at a variety of Scriptures today as we talk about the fact that the resurrection matters, and we're going to talk about why that is. But before we take a look at that, just a couple quick things I wanted to share with you. First of all, we invite you to stop by our website, which is Desire Jesus. Dot com, And at the website, you'll find our newsletter links, our blog, links to both of our podcasts, and our bookstore where we have a variety of resources on spiritual growth and marriage help and leadership and a variety of books that help us study the scriptures, whether through devotional study or through theology or direct Bible study. But again, you can find that all at DesireJesus.com, and we hope you'll take great advantage of the resources that we have there. Now, as I mentioned just a moment ago, today we're taking a look at the resurrection, and we're talking about reasons why the resurrection matters. And in fact, we're going to be looking at five specific reasons why the resurrection of Jesus Christ matters for you and me. So let's take a look at that together. Today we're going to be talking about the fact that the resurrection matters, and I want to point out in the time that we have together five specific reasons why. The resurrection matters, and Scripture shows us why. Now, there are several dates on the Christian calendar, so throughout the year when you think through our calendar and you think about the things that we celebrate, the different things that we do, there's a variety of things on our calendar as believers in particular that we would say matter to us or matter to many believers in, in that regard. Uh, we celebrate the in, uh, the incarnation of Christ. We also celebrate some of the ways that He worked through the lives of those who, who knew Him and trusted in Him. But even though it isn't often celebrated with the same amount of fanfare as maybe some other celebrations, the resurrection of Jesus Christ matters more for us than I think we often realize. If Jesus did not rise from death, there would be no reason for us to gather together for worship. If Jesus didn't rise from death, there'd be no point in worshiping, there'd be uh, no point in referring to ourselves as his followers. But thankfully Christ did rise from death. And he proved his divinity. And he gave us a foretaste of what he has in store for all who trust in him. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is paramount in its significance for us. And I'd like to take our our teaching time this morning as we look at the Scriptures to talk about five of the reasons why that's so. Now, there's more than five reasons, but we only have so much time, right? Because there's food in ovens and driving that needs to be done. And we've already been seeing uh, some of the, the gifts that, that children have been blessed with this morning as they came in. People have been showing off stuff. It's, it's very nice. Uh, it's been a good morning so far, but I want to just look at five of the reasons that Scripture tells us that the resurrection has significance for us. And one of the reasons is this, because Christ rose from the grave, death is defeated. Now just think about that statement for a second, death is defeated. Let me begin by reading for us from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55 to 57, where it says this, "'O death, where is your victory?' O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Not to start our time off together on a down note, but I do think it's worth acknowledging this as we try and be a bit introspective this morning. But one of the most emotionally uh, challenging experiences that any of us will ever experience on this earth is the death of those that we love. And uh, in, in recent years, many of us have experienced that pain. And many of us have experienced the sense of loss that comes from the death of a loved one. I I have to say, just from my own personal experience, in the past few years, death has visited some of my closest family members, and it takes time to adjust to that reality. And if I'm really honest, I would have to say that I'm still adjusting to that reality. And when I think of that from the personal standpoint, and when I think about how those things impact me emotionally, and how I'm certain these things impact you emotionally... I also think about, on a day like today, the things that the disciples of Christ were experiencing. The things that the disciples of Christ were, were emotionally feeling just after He was crucified. We know from looking at the Gospels and seeing the things that they did and seeing the things that they said that Jesus was the one that they had placed their deepest hopes in. They had hope in Christ. They had left everything to follow Him. And they fully expected that he was going to set up a visible, earthly kingdom during their lifetimes. That was their expectation. And they even expected to reign with him in this kingdom. But then he was arrested, and he was tried, and he was tortured, and he was crucified and killed. And most of them, Scripture tells us, they scattered when this was all taking place. Right? They scattered. All of them were heartbroken. You know, in the midst of everything that they're seeing there, their hearts are broken within them. But we can praise the Lord that death did not defeat Christ. Rather, Jesus defeated death. And we celebrate today because on the third day after His crucifixion, Jesus began to appear in bodily form to His followers. And He did this for a period of 40 days before ascending back into heaven. And what Jesus was doing as, he's, as He rose from the grave and as He, as he was appearing to uh, those who loved Him and those who trusted in Him, He was showing that the power and the finality of death had been broken. The power and the finality of death had been broken. His disciples did not need to grieve any longer, nor did they need to live in fear because Jesus had accomplished the unthinkable. His body was dead, but now He had been raised back to life and He was visibly appearing right there in front of them in bodily form they could even reach out and they could touch him and they could eat eat meals with him and and uh, have conversation with him and, and and all of these things because death had been defeated Christ rose from the grave and when you look at the disciples prior to Christ's resurrection and what scripture tells us about them and then you look when you read through the the book of acts and when you read through Paul's letters and then the general letters that come after that and even into the book of revelation You can see that the resurrection of Christ had a distinct impact on the followers of Christ. Think about the nature of the impact that Christ's resurrection had on them. We can see from what took place in their lives going forward that they stopped living like fearful men. Again, these are the people that had scattered, most of them anyway, uh, they scattered after Christ was arrested and, and crucified, and then you have them kind of hiding and in, in different places behind locked doors, and they're wondering what's going on. They're living like fearful men, but then after Christ rises from death and begins appearing to them, they stop living like fearful men. And what their testimony shows us is that they then eventually began going to distant places that sometimes were filled with combative people, and they began spreading the gospel in places where their lives were being directly threatened. So they went from being people who were fearful of losing their lives to being people who were willing to immerse themselves in the midst of cultures that were combative to their message, and they proclaimed the gospel even at the threat of death. And we know that that, uh, people attempted to kill every single one of them. Only the apostle John wasn't killed, but they still attempted to kill him. It's just that he didn't die from their attempt. But you have these men... Who were once fearful, who are now no longer fearful of death. They weren't afraid of death any longer because why? Because death is defeated. Jesus defeated death. Death was no longer victorious. Death no longer carried a permanent sting for those in whom Jesus lived. Now, how does that reality affect us? You know, we're talking for a moment here about how it affected his initial group of disciples, but think about that from the personal perspective as well. How does the fact that death is defeated impact you and me as followers of Christ in our generation? Well, it also means that you and I can live unafraid of death because death is a defeated foe. You know, when it comes to people that we love that that have moved on, our perspective toward it has changed because we know we're going to see our believing loved ones yet again. We also know that our perspective toward our own mortality changes because we recognize that even though this body is going to wear out, Scripture reveals to us that through the resurrection of Christ, we're also promised a resurrection and death has been defeated and we're going to be fitted with a brand new glorified body in God's kingdom that is not corruptible to decay and we will not experience sin or sorrow or any of the things that we currently experience now that we would put in that category of things that are negative and painful, in His resurrection, Jesus defeated death and He shares that victory with you and me. Now, Scripture also tells us another benefit of the fact that Christ rose from the dead. And that's this. He's made union with Himself possible. Union with Christ is now made possible look at what we're told in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 in that verse it says this I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me scriptures describing our union with Christ union with Christ has now been made possible We were joking before the worship service uh, with some parents um, about how they were trying to get pictures of their children before the worship service began because inevitably we know that after the worship service finishes, what do all our children like to do? Well, some run laps around this center row of circles. I saw Uriah last week playing football. He's just like, all right, this thing is the best. you spiking the football over and over again. Some of the kids are out in the yard playing some are out front playing, but we know what's going to happen to them, right? We know that they're going to run around. We know that they're going to get sweaty. And if they go out toward that playground, they're also going to get dirty, right? So we're trying to get pictures and things like that taken of them. And, and uh, my wife and I were kind of thinking about this because now our our children are uh, on the older end of things, obviously, and, you know, well, one well into adulthood now and the others on the way. And, and I was thinking recently about an experience that my sons had when they were at summer camp. Uh, This would be several years ago. And uh, they were playing a game that's kind of similar to dodgeball, except it's a little bit more individualized in how it works. You're either in or you're out, but there really isn't any teams. And one of the staff members there took a ball and threw it at one of my sons and eliminated him. And then my other son observed this. was like, hmm. I will now need to eliminate you, and immediately eliminated that staff member. Mind you, this is supposed to be an individualized sport. And then that round ends. And then a new round begins, and then the two boys together, quickly and immediately eliminate that staff member, and they're like, "Hey, And then a new round begins soon after that. And quickly and immediately the boys eliminate that staff member. They're like, "What's going on?" And it's like, "You got my brother out. You must pay forever. And you will go and you will do battle with both of us now. And by the end of the game, that staff member had asked them, is it okay if I could be in your alliance too? Like, could I be part of this alliance? Because my game has been very short ever since the two of you have decided to gang up on me. And obviously, my wife and I were so proud in that moment, right? We're like, our young sons are throwing balls at people and injuring them together as... One united front. But no, the unity of that, we're like, oh wow, that's right, family, fight for your family's honor. You know, the unity that existed between the boys in that moment, we're like, alright, that kind of did swell us with uh, with, with a little bit of uh, excitement and joy and pride, right? But when it comes to unity, when you think about the concept of unity... I think unity is something that over the course of our lives we learn to value. I value unity. I'm assuming you value unity. I think many of us have probably prayed for national unity, particularly during seasons in our country when we've been grieving together or going through a trial or something stressful. We pray for national unity. We pray for the unity of the church on the local level, but also on the worldwide level. We pray for unity within our marriages and our households. This is something that we value. We value the concept of unity. But when you look at what Scripture talks about when it's speaking about unity, it also reveals to us that there's a form of unity that we are blessed with on a spiritual level that's directly connected to the fact that Jesus lives. It's directly connected to the fact that Christ rose from the grave and lives forever. Because Jesus rose from death and He lives within all who trust Him, We are enabled to be spiritually united with Him. Now, in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, which I just read a moment ago, that portion of scripture as the Apostle Paul penned these things down by the Holy Spirit's inspiration reveals to us that we are united with Christ in His resurrection, excuse me, in His crucifixion. It also reveals to us that we are united with Christ in our life in the flesh. Now, why is that? Well, it's because Jesus lives that we can be united with Him. It's because Jesus is now living within us. You see the connection to the resurrection in these mentionings of union or unity. If Jesus didn't rise from death, this union would not be possible. But because He rose, we have the privilege to be united to Him forever. That's what the Scripture reveals to us. Many times throughout Scripture, by the way, believers in Christ are being referred to as being in Christ. Do you ever notice that? This phrase that we are in Christ. Do you ever think about what that means when you come across one of the portions of Scripture that describe believers being in Christ? Sometimes, uh, particularly when I first became familiar with that phrase and I would see it in Scripture, I would wonder to myself, what does it mean when Scripture is saying I am in Christ or that a believer is In Christ, what is it getting at when it speaks of these things? Well, that's a reference to our union with Christ. That's what it's talking about when it describes the fact that you are in Christ. It's saying you are united to Him spiritually. And so, as such, since we are united to Christ spiritually, what Scripture also reveals to us is that Jesus is the source of our life. The one who defeated death, the one who rose from the grave, the one who lives forever, is the source of your life and my life. He's also, as we are in Christ, the source of our strength. And he's also the source of our salvation. And as believers who are united to our risen Savior, keep in mind what that also means. If you're united to our risen Savior and I'm united to our risen Savior... By virtue of our common union to Him, we're also united one to another. I'm united to you. You're united to me. We are united to one another as the body of Christ. We've been made part of the body of Christ forever through faith in Him. We are connected together forever because of our common union with Christ. We have been made family forever. Union with Christ has been made possible through His resurrection. Scripture tells us something else. It speaks about our outlook. And because Christ rose from the grave, we've been blessed with an outlook that's one of hope. Look at what it tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice some of these statements here. It says, according to His great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So again, again, the scripture's telling us, you know, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Not long ago, um, I was having a conversation. This really was just a few weeks ago. I was having a conversation with somebody that I first met. Uh, when I was in college, and he's a bit older than me. And, uh, since that time, so, you know, it's, it's been a few decades now of knowing each other, but since that time, we've worked together on a variety of projects, things related to ministry or different things that we've, we've, uh, been involved in working on. And, um, there's something about him that stands out to me every time I see him that that has stood out to me ever since it first caught my attention. I don't know if um, if I caught it right away, but the longer he and I have been friends, the more it started to stand out to me. And what I've noticed is no matter what we're talking about, doesn't matter, you can pick the subject no matter what it is, no matter what we're talking about, he always seems to see it from a negative perspective. Do you know anyone like that? It doesn't matter what the subject is. He will find something negative with it. It took me a while to catch on that that was actually happening, and then when I realized it, I was like, wait a second. It really doesn't matter the subject. It could be the most mundane thing, but whatever it is, his follow-up comment will always be something negative. So today, I look outside. It's beautiful. I was saying on our way to church this morning, I, I said to my family, I said, this, what a beautiful Easter Sunday. Those of you with seasonal allergies, ignore the pollen, alright? Just ignore it for a day and enjoy the sunshine and the moderate temperatures. I was like, wow, what a beautiful Easter Sunday and with Easter being later in the year this year. The trees are in bloom. There's all Everything's growing. Everything looks nice. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful day. And I've, I've noticed with this friend, you know, if, if I comment about the fact that the weather is nice... He'll make sure to point out the long-range forecast where we're supposed to get severe thunderstorms in just a few days. Or really emphasize on a day like today, no, yeah, but that pollen count, look at your car. Is it yellow or is it green? You know, it's both because of the pollen. It's like, okay, that's fine. If a project that we've been working on, and we've done this multiple times, if it's successful, if it all comes together nice and we're looking back, you know, you want to kind of celebrate the win and look at it and say, all right, It's finished. You know, we we did what we were supposed to do. It worked out. He'll point out everything in his imagination that might go wrong with it someday. And I've known him for enough decades now that I'm like, all right, you realize that like your fantasies of destruction don't happen, right? Like none of them have ever come to fruition. Not a single one of them have ever happened. There's going to be that day though. One of these days, right? And, uh, And I've thought about it, you know, I think, all right, that perspective is tolerable in small doses, but it doesn't reflect a mindset that I want to personally adopt. It's actually something that I wouldn't mind if my friend maybe kind of wrestled through. Why is he kind of going in that direction with this thinking? Because once we come to know Christ, what does Scripture reveal to us? What does 1 Peter 1 reveal to us? It reveals to us that our outlook toward the future really does change. Our perspective really does change. Through faith in Jesus Christ, the, God, the Word of God tells us that God the Father has caused us to experience a new birth. That's how it's described here. It's a new birth. So our first birth, it was physical in nature, and it had an obvious outcome, meaning you know, something born physically, we know, naturally is going to proceed through, through seasons of life until it rests, until it dies. That's the obvious outcome of a, of a physical birth. But then the Scripture speaks of this new birth that we've been granted. And it's a new birth that's filled with hope because it's been secured through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And when Scripture uses the word hope, it's not speaking about a wish. And it's not speaking about a fantasy. It's talking about something that's certain because it's anchored either in the nature or the promises of God. And throughout His Word, the Lord's assured us of many different things. So you'd read throughout the pages of Scripture, and you can see multiple assurances that the Lord has given us of many different things. He's assured us that He's going to be present with His children. He's assured us that through faith in Him, He will strengthen us. He will protectively hold us in His hand. He will answer our prayers according to His perfect will. He's also assured us that every trial that takes place in our lives is going to be something that He works together for the good of those who love Him. These are some of the assurances that the Lord's granted to you and to me. He's ultimately working all things out for His glory and for your good. That's the way He operates in your life and in my life. And according to Peter's letter, we just see a glimpse of this here in 1 Peter 1.3, this living hope that we're blessed with is directly connected to the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Again, let me reread it. He says, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Scripture tells us something else that's an important thing for us to note when we're thinking about the consequence of Christ rising from the dead, and that's this, that believers will also be raised. So it's a fourth thing that Scripture reveals to us about the significance of Christ's resurrection, that believers will also be raised. Look at what it tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 5. There it says this, "...for if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection." like his let me reread that it says for if we have been united with him in a death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his believers will also be raised let me reread or let me read for us a couple companion scriptures that go along with this now i don't have a slide for them so just listen to the words of christ and to another word or another uh, portion of scripture that the apostle paul shared but first What Jesus said in John chapter 5 verses 28 and 29, Jesus said this, he said, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And then in 1 Thessalonians 4 starting with verse 16 the apostle Paul says this to the church at Thessalonica he says for the lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of god and the dead in christ will rise first then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and so we will always be with the lord do you see the pattern you know, when we look at Romans chapter 6 and John chapter 5 and First Thessalonians chapter 4, there's a pattern there, right? Do you see that pattern? This pattern is it's speaking about our resurrection. You know, do you hear the message that the Lord's trying to drill into our minds? Is He trying to help us understand something from multiple angles as He communicates it over and over and over again in His Word? Do you understand what He has in store for those who trust in Jesus Christ? The fact that resurrection is something that He's got in store for those who trust in Him. The Word of God assures us that just as Jesus was raised from death, so too will all those who are in Christ, those who are united with Christ, so too will they also be raised. Now, in the book of Romans, and I've got the Scripture here on the screen for us to see, but in the book of Romans, Paul stated that those who are united to Christ in a death like His will also experience a resurrection like His. And in the portion of Scripture that I mentioned from the Gospel of John, you have Jesus speaking there. And He informed us that the hour is coming when those who are in their tombs will hear His voice and be raised to what He referred to as the resurrection of life. Those who trust in Him will be raised to the resurrection of life. Then in 1st Thessalonians, you have the apostle Paul speaking about things that are yet to come. And he speaks again of those who are in Christ, those who are united to Christ. He speaks of them being raised. He speaks of them living forever with the Lord. So what's the point of this? And why the repetition? Why is it stated over and over again from multiple different angles with a few different details added each time to give us a picture of what's going on? Why is this Why is this spoken of so much like this? Well, we're told these things and we're shown these things so that we'll understand them and believe them. And you and I as believers in Jesus Christ can look to Christ with joy because we know we're also going to be raised just as Christ rose from death, so too will those who trust in Him be raised because we are united to Him and will experience a resurrection like His. Scripture's teaching us that Christ's resurrection was a foretaste, like a little preview, a little picture, huge picture, really, we should say, right? A giant picture, a foretaste of what He has in store for His body, the church. One other thing I want to point out to us of consequence related to the resurrection, and that's this. Christ's authority to judge the world was demonstrated in His resurrection. Let me show us two portions of Scripture that that speak of this. The first I have on the screen behind us. But in Acts chapter 17, verse 31, it states this, "...because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed..." And of this, He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. So we see Christ's authority to judge demonstrated in His resurrection. Let me read another one for us. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. And it says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, we live in an interesting time, and by the way, I'm glad to live in this era. I mean, it's an interesting time, it's it's uh, it's kind of fascinating, it's very clear when you look at the Word of God that it's not an accident that we live where we live or when we live. By the way, I was watching a video not too long ago, uh, just earlier this week actually, about some of the things that are being predicted to be coming along in your life and in my life over the course of uh, really the next 10 to 15 years. And it was describing some of the things that will come to pass. Now, automated driving, where you just get in a car and your car takes you someplace, the technology already exists. It's just that most of us don't use it, but we use it a little bit right now. Little bit right now. What would you think if in just a few years you just hop in, take a book with you? Could you do it? You know, could you do it? Could you just take a book? I always think about this like, from the perspective of all the family vacations we've taken where we've driven to Florida. And I think, man, that would have been sweet to just drive through the night to Florida. No need to stop. Just like get cozy. I wonder like like if uh, vehicles are going to be a little bit different in how they're set up. If it's just going to be like cots or something like that. We just, oh, I, I love how I can just relax here. Take a book and read, kind of look out. You know, even one of the things that I was reading was saying about some of the speeds that you could probably expect cars to be driving at. And one said, what if a car was driving at 90 miles per hour that whole time? What if it was driving at 200 miles per hour the whole time? And you're not in control. You're just sitting in it, and it's being guided by a network, and it's talking to the other cars around it, and there really is no need for stoplights because all the cars know who's coming, and there really won't be traffic jams because cars will just move through here and move through there, and that sounds so futuristic, doesn't it? And in 10 years from now, if the recording of today's message (laughs) survives, we'll look back and we'll say, oh, how nostalgic John was daydreaming about automated travel, which is part of our day-to-day life, right? Isn't that cute? Remember that? Remember that time when, when John was thinking about those things? I'm glad to be alive when we're alive. I think it's a very interesting time. I think it's fascinating. It's a privilege to be able to live while we live, and it's not an accident that we're living during this particular time, but one of the things you'll notice, and I'm sure you've noticed this, I've certainly noticed this as well, Christ is a polarizing figure, in the era in which you and I live. It's a very polarizing figure to many people. Some utterly reject him. Some utterly reject his claims. Now again, that's not necessarily unique to our season of time, but what is unique to this season of time is how easily we're able to communicate whatever we believe. Whatever you believe, whatever I believe, we can make it known very widely, very fast, all throughout the world, in an instant. Right now, we're streaming our worship service. We started doing that last week as an experiment. By the way, it's streaming over here. Happened to notice on Friday night, so we were streaming our service, a child thought it was funny to just kind of walk in front of the camera because he caught on that we were streaming, kind of walked in front, and then he walked out, and then walked back in, walked out and the whole world was able to see Him. And the whole world is able to hear us as we sing. And we could communicate. We could communicate so quickly and so easily. And so if you, are, if you are just completely opposed to Christ, you can make that message known far and wide in an instant. And if you love Christ, if He's your Lord, if He's your Savior, if He's your Rescuer, if He's your Redeemer he's the one that you've given full allegiance of your life over to, you can likewise proclaim that in an instant as well. You can enthusiastically and publicly worship him. You can call him Lord. You can look forward to the day when you will see him face to face because you will indeed see him face to face according to these scriptures. In fact, in Acts chapter 17 verse 31 and in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, it tells us that there is going to come a day when every one of us is going to give an account for our lives. The whole world is going to give an account for themselves before Christ. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if I, I, now, I don't know if you find that thought to be frightening or if you find that thought to be comforting, but however you emotionally react to it, it still is your reality and my reality. That's what's coming next. But because Jesus took on flesh and He lived a sinless life as a man on this earth and then rose from death after having been crucified, His authority to sit in judgment over humanity was demonstrated. It was demonstrated through His resurrection. His righteousness was on full display. The one who had lived a sinless life and was raised from death, His authority to judge humanity was confirmed through His resurrection. Now, let, I'll say this, the thought of giving an account before the Lord, it does give me pause. The thought of having to give an account of my life before the Lord, it gives me pause. I think about it and I think, okay, that's not a trivial matter. That's not a small issue or a small concern. Because I know that throughout the course of my life, there's many actions that I've taken and many words that I've said that if I could go back in time, I would redo. I would like to take some of those things back. I don't get to take those things back, right? There are things that I either did or I said, and that's that. And so I look at that and I think, all right, you know, if I could go back in time and relive that moment, I certainly would do it differently. But I'm also grateful for the fact that when I come before the Lord, when I stand before Him, Scripture tells me I'm not going to stand before Him as one who is condemned. Because what did Jesus come to this earth to do? Scripture reveals to us that He came to this earth to take our condemnation upon Himself. He took our condemnation upon Himself at the cross. and Scripture goes on to teach us that there is therefore now no condemnation. There is no condemnation in store for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are united to Christ by grace through faith. So there isn't condemnation in store for those who trust in Christ, but we will still give an account for our lives. Scripture, let me just say this as we finish up this morning. I want to I want to finish up with a few questions and one additional Scripture. So I'd like you to be thinking about these things with, with me as we kind of wrap up our time together. But Scripture clearly demonstrates that the resurrection of Christ, it matters for us in more ways than we may initially realize. And so as we just kind of wrap up this, this idea of, of looking at why the resurrection is significant, I just want to ask a few quick things, maybe to hopefully provoke some additional thought. And the first question is this. Are you right now? So think about this from the perspective of right now. Are you living like death has been defeated by Jesus, or does death still master your emotions? Just answer this question in your mind. Are you living like death has been defeated by Jesus, Or do you still allow death or the fear of it to master your emotions? Second question is this. Are you confident of your union with Christ? Or do you still feel distant from Him? Are you confident of your union with Christ? Or do you still feel distant from Him? Third question is this, are you hopeful toward the future, or are your thoughts toward the future mostly negative? Are you hopeful toward the future, or are the thought, or your thoughts toward the future mostly negative? Fourth question is this, are you confident that you personally will experience a resurrection like Jesus? Christ did. Are you confident of that? That you personally will experience a resurrection like Christ did? Final question is this. This is heavy. But it's purposely heavy. And it's true. And it's worth wrestling with. But the question is this. Are you ready right now to give an account for your life to Jesus Christ? If today was the day that you stood before Him, are you ready right now to give that account? The Scripture tells us that the day is coming. For me, for you, that day might be today, it might be tomorrow, it might be decades into the future, I don't know. But are you ready for when that day comes? Because it will come. And I want us to finish with this this thought as we wrestle with that. Because when Christ came to this earth, He didn't just come to this earth to show off. He didn't just come to this earth to display His miraculous power and then jet. And say, hey, look at the cool stuff I can do. He came to this earth to do something on your behalf and on my behalf. He came to this earth to rescue those who were lost. We had no other hope unless He did what He did. And He interjected Himself into human history. Because He loves you. And He wants you to be united with Him. He wants you to be part of His family forever. And He wants you to be able to look forward to that day when you stand before Him. But it does no good for us to not speak about these truths or pretend like these aren't the things that the Lord's revealed. Because what Christ is doing is He's inviting us not to just know about Him. Lots of people in this world know about Jesus. He wants us to Proceed from that into something much deeper, meaning He wants us to know Him relationally. He wants us to know Him in a personal way. And if at this point you still feel distant from Him, or you feel fearful of coming before Him, please remember the invitation that He's given you to know Him, the invitation that He's given you to experience new life through Him, the invitation that He's given you to be forgiven by Him. Let me finish by reading for us from John chapter 10. These are the words of Christ in John chapter 10, starting with verse 9, and I'll read down to verse 11. And as we finish up our time together, I just want you to meditate on this Scripture and just wrestle with these things in regard to your own walk with Christ, or specifically, I should say, your own relationship with Christ and how He speaks of that opportunity in these verses. He says this in John 10. I am the door. If anyone enters by Me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And we can follow that up by saying, Praise You, Jesus, that You did that for us. And praise You for the fact that on the third day, You rose from death. You took that life up again. And You live forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for the privilege to be able to look at Your Word together today. And to just meditate on the truth of Your Gospel. And to think about the things that You've revealed to us in Your Word and to focus during our time today on the significance of your resurrection from the grave. Sometimes we think of this in a very monolithic kind of way, not realizing the significance that your resurrection has for our lives and for our future and for the nature of the hope that lives within us, and even for the fact that that you have the authority to judge humanity to be the one that we stand before and give an account for our lives, but we do so as men and women who know that You came to this earth to take our condemnation upon Yourself so that we could stand before You forgiven, not condemned. Lord, we know that there are indeed plenty of people that currently live on the face of this earth that will stand before You with their condemnation still upon them because they never received the gift of life that You offered. No. They never entered the gate by you. They never experienced the gift of salvation. They live a life that shows that they're just embracing the things that that the devil, that the thief has just come to, to steal and destroy. But Lord, you came to give us life, and you came to give us life abundantly. Abundant life, eternal life, through faith in you. And so we pray that by Your grace, that that would be a gift that we would receive today. We pray that if any one of us gathered together in this room, or any of us utilizing a recording or a live stream of of this message today is wrestling with these things, if we feel distant from You, Lord, we pray that today would be the day that we would come to faith in You. Lord, I was... Blessed this morning just in hearing the testimony of one of the the young children in our our church here who came to faith in You during the course of this weekend as they were asking their parents multiple questions about what the significance of this weekend was. and They placed their faith in You, Lord. and, And this child took the time to tell me this right before our worship service. And Lord, it warmed my heart. And Lord, I know that it warms your heart when any of us, regardless of our age, come before you and we recognize our need for you. So Lord, ultimately only you can open our eyes and our our ears and our, our hearts to that truth, our need for your Son, Jesus Christ. And so we pray that you would do that for each of us that are under the hearing of your Scriptures this morning. That we would recognize our need for your Son, we would trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, our Messiah, our Lord, and that we would experience the new and abundant life that's supplied to us through this union with Jesus, your Son. We're grateful for that privilege. We're grateful that we can simply come before you, Lord, and we can confess our sin and we can seek your intervention in our lives, and that if we ask you to save us and we ask in faith that you will indeed answer that prayer, and so we're grateful for that. And we pray, Lord, that throughout the course of today, and not only today, but throughout the course of our lives, that we would rejoice in the resurrection of Your Son, Jesus Christ. We're grateful for all of these things. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we'd invite you to stop by our website, which is desirejesus.com. If you're not on our newsletter list, we'd encourage you to sign up. But while you're at desirejesus.com, be sure to take advantage of all the different resources that we have there. We hope that these things will be useful to you in your walk with Christ and that your faith in Him will grow stronger as you make use of the things that we've placed on the website, geared toward that end. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care.